Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name's Tanner Cherry with The Rogue's Passage. This is episode one of The Rogue's Passage podcast. Uh, I'd just like to note that this episode was recorded back in February of 2023. We started the project in January and we started recording podcasts, expecting to release them right away. Um, so this one isn't exactly topical. I think we're talking about battle cards before they were released in this. But I really, I mean, the three of us really wanted to just go ahead and toss this out anyway because it's got a lot of charm. It's got our introduction stories. Um, it was our first episode and we think it was totally worthy of releasing and we're just, we're going to start on this one. So um, if you're listening audio only, check out the YouTube uh, the complaints department is the comment section if you want to drop something in there. Uh, otherwise, just uh, this is our introductions, basically. And thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. See you guys later. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the official podcast of the Rogue's Passage. I'm joined here with Brandon and also mm, I am Tana Cherry and we've had a nice awesome day of filming and we're about to talk about everything we've gone through as well as things that are lingering in our minds and we just really want to get out there in the world yeah this is actually it's actually our third day of mm-hmm. filming um, and it's probably going to be the first day where we have content that we're going to release yeah, um, yeah like we, our, the ambition at the start right was just like ah, let's just start recording content and start releasing it like it, mm-hmm. there's so much practice that has to be done and I'm yeah. glad baby steps but we're working on getting yeah. a perfect yeah. package yeah. Yeah. today yeah, went today. pretty well Today went very well. Today still wasn't perfect. You guys will see that. I mean, my and game sucks, but that's that doesn't matter. I <laughs> missed. I, we should Lots actually talk about <laughs> when when we edit the the commander game that we played. I kind of want to put like a Tanner missed triggers yeah, thing yeah. on like on the bottom corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that'd be good. Brady uh, being salt. <laughs> yeah. There there will be bloopers at some point for y'all to see of our first couple absolutely. of recordings. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one of the biggest topics that we wanted to discuss today was especially going into this uh, our take on infinite combos as well as the. Uh, uh, a more heavily introduced uh, uh, usage of Rule Zero, which I think is yeah. completely underappreciated. And especially these days, Wizards does want to push it, especially in the product and the way they announce certain things. They really want Rule Zero to be way more normalized. So. And what is Rule Zero? Rule Zero is the starting of every single game with discussing what your deck does and potentially its power, which will also come across. Yeah, Rule Zero is, is like the pact that players make between each other the conversation that I think the, the reason you call it rule zero is like kind of like turn zero mm-hmm. it's the turn before anybody plays the game yeah. where you discuss the power level of your decks and the weird thing about commander is that there's a discussion of the um, the etiquette of whether or not somebody's being too powerful or oppressive compared to the power level of other people's decks and commander is such a strange format for that because you there's so much of that going on mm-hmm. um, but it's like human compassion <laughs> Yeah. To sit down and have a, a discussion it's before you play. It's considerate. Rule zero, what's the importance of it? It's practicing consideration for your fellow player. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's no waste of progress in making sure that everyone has a nice, easy game. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to play competitive, be fair, be good about your choices. Yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, all of us want to win, of course. And that's great. But if you're playing and sitting down <laughs> at the table only to win and you don't care about other people's enjoyment, you're not really being a good sport. And that's no, where that's where pods not. go to die. That's where friendships have their problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about, you know... A, a new challenger arrives. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, you know, just the perfect example of that. Look up the card Winter Orb. Yeah, you want to lose some friends. That's a great turn card two. to play. <laughs> or turn one if you have a soul ring. But <laughs> if uh, for, for where we want to start in regards to intros, uh, I guess we want to talk. We'll introduce ourselves and our yeah. our affiliation and and inception of magic in our lives. Who wants to start? 
I will start. I will start. Brady. Um, uh, well, uh, I was nine years old, and I went to, uh, I can't even remember what, what store it was called. My mom was out there. My brother was buying comics, and uh, I saw this apocalypse. It was either Invasion or Apocalypse. And I just liked the art. I had no idea what I wanted. I was like, Mom, I want that. And she was incredibly gracious. I'm like, sure. She bought me one pack. And I remember in the car ride home just... And I was on like, you know, old school ADD medication, just hyper-focusing on all this amazing detail. And I had no comprehension for anything I could, especially back then, I, could, I couldn't read or write very well. So like looking at what I was looking at made everything. And it, it basically I kept collecting and collecting and collecting, um, but never playing efficiently or even actually knowing what I was doing. But I'd always like shuffle the cards and, you know, just love what I was looking at until I turned 22 or 21, 22. Um, it was like 2013. And yeah, uh, my roommate played uh, 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 magic regularly saw that I had this giant stack of all these cards that I've been collecting but never playing and then that was kind of, that was kind of it for me uh, Theros was out at that time and I just got sucked into a world of hyper focus obsession and this game has literally at this point become my life so yeah. you should go you think I should go okay well <clears throat> my my um, introduction to Magic the Gathering I guess it was always just kind of a background thing I, I definitely saw Brady I tried. And Always other did. friends in our group, Brandon and, you know, Austin and just different people that we know, you guys played Magic frequently. And I just, I think I was just heavily distracted by all the other things going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And Being I just, I was like, ah, I don't have time to like get into this. And I, I think I always knew, I was like, if I, if I get into that, it's going to be, it's going to hit me. <laughs> the yeah. the is this and, addiction? Yeah. Is this addiction? <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I actually, we, we went to a, uh, a, a, like a metal club, like an electronic club or whatever, mm-hmm. one night, and I left my vehicle because I had some adult beverages that night. So I left my vehicle in the parking lot. I went to pick it up the next day. I took the train. I got off at the 39th Street Station. If you're you know, from Calgary, you'll know where that is. I got off of the station, and I looked across to the other side of the platform, and I saw Brandon and Austin. And you guys were just like, hey, how's it going? Like, we're going over to this store, Metal Galaxy. Shout out to Metal Galaxy. Mm-hmm. My first experience playing Magic was uh, an open house, Magic open house, where they, it's the, a day, I don't know how many times they do it a year or whatever, but it's designed to draw in new players because they offer you a free deck. Like here, have this free That's deck awesome. and our, our awesome. staff will teach you and guide you along mm-hmm. and teach you how to play your games. So Brandon and Austin were just like, hey, we're going to this Magic open house. Do you want to come? You get a free deck and you get to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't have anywhere to be after picking up my vehicle. So I was like, whatever, let's go, let's do it. And yeah, I, I got, I still have it over in the room over there. It's a little black and green, little Golgari deck. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys let me win that game. No, no. <laughs> but I won and I was just like, I am addicted immediately. If you had first experience and you won and immediately you knew you liked it. So yes. That's the celebration. I don't know if I bought anything that day, but Callie and I went to the Century Box within days of that. Mm-hmm. And I bought a fat or a booster. What is it called? Um, like a fat pack. Yep. They're it's a bundle. Bundles. Yeah, a bundle. So it comes with 10 booster packs and a dice and a little uh, manual with, like, all of the cards in the set, which at the time, like, I, especially as a new player, I really appreciated that. I got to look at all the other potential cards that were in the set, mm-hmm. which, like, I, I remember looking at some of the rares and mythics, and, and I was like, I need to buy more packs. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it was one of our second, like, second or third pack we opened out of that bundle. We opened the Aggravated Assault uh, mm-hmm. Invocation, mm-hmm. the Masterpiece. Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, I was so new to Magic that I remember we opened it, and I was like, what is this? And it was just like, it wasn't like, a, oh, my God, this is rare and cool. It was yeah. like, that's strange. 
<laughs> and like put it aside. It was like, this one looks different than all the other ones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, that was my uh, introduction to magic. That was 2017. Amonkhet was just yep. on the shelves. That's why our popper game today, it, I, Sacred Cat and all the so cats of Amonkhet. I tried for years to get him into it, and it took this guy to do it finally. <laughs> yeah, just, Either um, way, no regrets. You <laughs> well, you got me here. <laughs> you can't deny, deny my charm. I have, <laughs> no, I can't. You can't I deny way. me. Your no. ability to charm people on a sea train platform is unfounded. <laughs> Unparalleled power. <laughs> all right, on to you, Brandon. Uh, I would like to add a little anecdote towards that, just because you're talking about those invocation cards. So, same time, I'm on cat releasing. Uh, I went, got myself uh, uh, like a, just a booster box for myself sort of thing. Just loved cracking them open. I also had more money to just throw at boxes. Um, I pulled, I can't remember which one it was. A mono black, one cost, sacrifice a creature, draw two cards, I think. Um, the name of the card escaped me, but I pulled yeah. the invocation for that, and it was the most expensive card in the invocations at the time, like on release. Really, more than more than Force of Will? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and it was like two hundred fifty something dollars right out of pack. So I literally cracked open the pack, went back the same day, sold the invocation card back to them, and bought a second box of Amonkhet, just because I'm like, it's literally a free box of cards. Why not, right? Yeah. Like that is mm. that is. Um, I yeah I I did that with I I can't remember which one the box toppers I got a demonic tutor box mm-hmm. topper from one of the master sets mm-hmm. and I did sell that one I regret it because mm-hmm. it was like the most expensive one at the hindsight time. is twenty twenty and that is, is also the biggest curse of magic yep. is the regret that comes with your choices especially when you want to be practical and exchange cards for value and then suddenly realize that five years later the card's five hundred dollars yeah. like, I really had that <laughs> no. I had yeah. that copy and I'm gonna just sit on this until I die <laughs> <laughs> yeah I learned my lesson on that. Yeah. Very young. So your awesome. origin story. So my origin, I have two kind of origin stories. And the first one is a real heartbreaker. So call it probably like grade three. I was pretty young. I don't know what age that is. Maybe like eight. Wait, third grade? Yeah, third grade. Uh, I got a, we, me and my parents went to a garage sale. Uh, and they were just kind of like looking. They're just like, oh yeah, like let's like get random knickknacks kind of thing. Random toys for like the son, the favorite little boy. Um... And so they bought me this, like, they ended up buying this box of, of like, just loose assorted magic cards sort of thing. It was, like, one of, like, the OG dual deck things. So it's, like, there was a fair amount. But there were cards in it that weren't, like, from that. So they were other people's cards. They had adjusted these sort of dual deck sort of thing. And I sat on that for probably, like, five-ish years. Because from grade three, yeah, five-ish years. Because about grade eight, um... I had only played a couple of games of Magic with a couple of friends, and it never really went anywhere because we were either too young to really know the game, too young to have money to put into the game, or just didn't really have it. So, like, I, I played Magic, and I knew about it, but I didn't really know about it. Uh, insert random kid from my class. We're talking about it in the eighth grade, and he's like, oh, yeah, I love Magic the Gathering. I didn't really have anything to do with it. I didn't know about the cards. I just knew that I had these cards. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I was kind of like, I don't play the game anymore these days. Like, if you want to buy the card from me, you can. And I didn't know what I was doing because I'm young, I'm dumb, and I didn't understand the nuances of card games at the time. Uh, I sold him all of my Magic cards at the time, which were like old, old, uh, for $20. So, mm. Mm, looking back on that and some of the cards that Ouch. I know as I've rediscovered them moving forward, oh, I know that, like, I, I, I gave away close to, like, $1,000 for Brandon, I, I wish I didn't ask you to tell me the story. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. Um, inserts, mm. Insert my reintroduction was a few years later uh, in high school. I think I was about 16, 17 years old. Uh, 
one of my buddy oh uh, yeah one of my buddies uh brendan uh kind of started like getting me back into it he played a lot of it uh but he was very good friends with a lot of people who did like competitive um uh one of the decks that i got beat down for the most part in that resurgence was uh mono yeah mono red goblins and like efficiency edh mono red like you're going turn in infinite on turn three kind of a thing um i bought my first yeah i bought my first like reconvining uh box of magic it was one of the pre-cons of the time obnixilis the uh <laughs> the human planeswalker uh and like I had so much fun with that deck, but it's it, it, it's mono black demons field wipey kind of shenanigans. Um, but because of the people that I was playing with, and they were so competitive sort of thing, I fell into this nuance of like every single deck that I had didn't stand a chance against them because they had pumped so much money that I just didn't have the ability to put in at the time. Uh, but my initial indoctrination to like learning magic, becoming to love magic, and like playing ever since that that. Uh, refinding it was being taught by like these top competitive players that infinite combos and total just control of the board state and not letting your opponents play things is the way to play magic and it was like that for a good few years until i kind of decided that that's not fun anymore yeah. i wasn't having fun losing and nobody else was having fun going against that what's wrong with field white trouble <laughs> oh, I still have the Obnixilis Fieldwipe Tribal, but he doesn't see play these days because that is an easy no way. No one likes it. <laughs> it's less that nobody likes it. I've seen people bounce back greatly from it. It's yeah, that I when have, every yeah. other turn is a Fieldwipe, yeah. that's a five-hour that, yeah. five game and nobody's there. It's like you're, you're trying to go to people to scoop, given the impression of trying to build up their board state every single second turn. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that episode of uh, The Next Generation <clears throat> where, you know, Picard is like subjected to what is that? That Cardassian guy is like there yeah. are four lights. Yeah. When he's trying to break his mind and make him say five, that's what board wipes every turn is. It's just like there are five lights, <laughs> and you're struggling to maintain that there are four. And I'm not sure if I total if I'm nerd to tell you this, but that's Star Wars. No, it's not. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's discuss some of our aspirations for the channel. I uh, I definitely assume that we're all just wanting to create a really or like a as much of an organic process into making a media of empire sorts for Canadian content creators as possible for the most part, you know. I definitely want to eventually, I don't know, mentor and do something along these lines. I'm still figuring out my future, but I definitely am maxing out as much happiness as I can with this channel right now. It's mm -hmm. bringing me so much joy. So otherwise, it's for the future. I well, hopefully we're just educating people as we go, teaching good sportsmen or sports conduct, you know, that whole, that whole shebang and mm -hmm. really just making a, a better name for magic than it had sometimes, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of human mentality that comes into this game, obviously created and invented by humans. So, mm -hmm. how do you be fair? You know, that's, that's I, I especially just want to aspire towards teaching people fairness, hopefully. And I and I'm that's coming from a control pl uh, combo player, so <laughs> yeah. So you want the Rogue's Passage to represent fair magic? Yes, <laughs> yes. Ironically. <clears throat> No, and that's that's uh, for the most part. <laughs> and I think we all kind of agree on that. I'm like my aspirations for the channel, sort of thing. Uh, when I was younger, I've always had kind of like a want to get into like the YouTube sphere, this sort of that. I was never, I've never been focused on trying to be famous or anything, or like really like blow up on the internet. It's always just been that nuance of like finding a place where you can do what you love as your job. 
Um, and one of the best pieces of advice that I got from a couple of content creators that like I knew back in the early days, of the like lesser early days, but like before Twitch, before all these streaming platforms, and it was literally just YouTube that was the metric of if you're successful on making content. Um, a few people that I got to talk to in, in person about that, one of them from big company that some of you might know, Rooster Teeth. Uh, they do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I got like just advice where just like, you shouldn't be trying to just find your way into those jobs. Too many people are always going to be going to school and doing this to try and get into specific companies. And they said, it's good, send the applications, chase your dreams and try and work for the companies that you want. But if you really wanna do something, don't be afraid to make it yourself. It's not about whether or not you're working for the company that you want. It's about creating what you want. And if it works, <clears throat> it works. If it doesn't, you move on to the next project. Yeah, I mean, this for me, <clears throat> I've had I've had a, the opportunity to have a passion project in in the past, right? Like when Callie and I were doing the Genesis Project thing, we were hosting music events and creating you know content and podcasts. Shout out to the Genesa family, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the Genesa net. Shout out <laughs> no, to the Genesa family. Honestly, however you want to say it, but we we had a podcast called the Thought Lab podcast, and we would interview and talk with other people that were, you know, whether they were musical artists or festival curators or anybody in, involved in that sphere, just like digging into um, giving a spotlight to them and the, the what is it called? Like the, the industry people, right? Mm -hmm. The back, the back room kind of stuff. Um, and it was a passion project. And I, I really, that was the first time I ever had like a passion project creating content. And I, I, there was a little bit of a gap a couple of years or a few years where I wasn't making stuff like that. And it felt like a void, man. And I've been collecting boxes of magic, always wanting to do something magic related with content, but it never felt like something that I could do on my own. And when these two started saying, Hey, we, we kind of want to do some gameplay and podcast material rega like regarding magic. And I was like, Oh yes. Like this, I've, I've been, sitting on the edge of the cliff wanting to do something like this. And I really believe having some sort of, it doesn't have to be content creation, but some sort of hobby that is like a passion or a project that you can like fawn over and mm -hmm. like be excited to do mm -hmm. is very healthy and like very wonderful for your life. And I'm so happy that we're doing this and mm -hmm. it's just, it's so much fun. And yeah. Yeah. So the, the aspirations for this channel is I want to, it's a outlet to be able to just pour my heart out for the magic stuff that I've always wanted to record. And I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy as well. But hope yes. it won't get us anywhere. Hard work, Will. <laughs> yes. Hard work. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, what color color scheme concept really inspires you in this game? Like, you know, kind of two color combination, three color combination. How does it translate into who you are as a person, your character, your, your everything? Uh, well, I mean, to cut that short, uh, to the most direct levels of my origins, not the mono black, but the first deck I built after, uh, was Prime Speaker's Organa, which was at the time Eldrazi Simic card draw. Um, if I had a notion for what I like to do in, in games and my style, my color identity, it's, uh, being one heckin' swole Simic boy swole. and smacking you with the biggest creatures you've ever seen. Capital S. Yeah, capital S, capital <laughs> nice and swole. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, are we? We're talking archetypes. Like, yeah. I know sometimes people, especially when Ravnica Allegiance and Guilds of Ravnica came out, they were like forcing people to pick a house. Yeah, no, you it's, know? it's the whole it, like, what 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 house from Harry Potter? Yeah, are you from exactly. Yeah. I, I remember being like so like on the fence. I was just like, hmm, like 
you go through different phases of like what type of color combinations you like. I really love blue and white decks. Um, Filthy combo player. One thing that draws me to that is judgment. flying is the most busted mechanic in Magic. It's like, it's incredible. Excuse me, horsemanship? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yo, horsemanship don't be knocking on the Dynasty Warriors era of Magic, yo. That is, proper horsemanship is broken. For those that don't know, horsemanship is the same mechanic as flying, except they only printed it in one set and it never went back. And that makes it horribly powerful with the well, right with the right set. Yeah, the, the the way that horsemanship reads is that only creatures with horsemanship can block creatures with horsemanship. Yep. Yeah. So it's basically like if you have one like flyers, there's tons of flyers. There's mm -hmm. flyers in every set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Horsemanship, not so much. So yep. you're just you're getting through. Not never since yeah. the uh what was the what was the set called for the Dynasty Warriors crossover? Uh I can't remember its name. I'm failing myself. But yeah, I had all the Dynasty Warriors cast, like every single one of them. Mm. I feel like some of the original cards too. They're like three hundred dollars for the original printing and all that. Yeah. There was one, there was one at Ogre's Den. It was Sima Yi, who was my boy in Dynasty mm. Warriors. Ah, oh! <laughs> slash also the uh, okay. Let's not get into Chinese history. But no, he, he's my bay. I love mm. me some Sima Yi, and he's literally at Ogre's Den for like ten dollars. And I was like, why is that the case? I'm like, oh, it's an it's an Asian printing. Oh, Ooh. interesting variable there to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, so, well, sorry, if I have to wrap it up, I would probably, I think green and black, I tend to leave off to the side more than I, like, I, subconsciously I leave them out of the equation. I think Jeskai has got to be my home turf. White, red, and blue. Jeskai? Yeah, it makes sense. What America! Elsha, Narset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, my first commander deck was a Jeskai Flicker deck, so. Rude. Rude. Well, for myself, I started off monocolored as, as all hell. I uh, I love red. That was my first first love. It's mono red. Um, but when I when especially when I got into Ravnik and uh, uh, color schemes, um, it was either a combination of or back and forth between Demir or Rakdos. And I I would arguably consider myself in terms of two color combination very Rakdos. I love fast, aggressive, yep. horrible plays. I have the most amount of decks out of all my in my collection are, are Rakdos colored. Um, but growing into that now is Demir. Um, I'm getting really back into uh, my control roots and counter spells, and I see him shaking his head from the corner of my eye here. So, um, but th these days especially, and I used to, in that regard as well, being Demir and Rakdos, be like, well, Grixis, Grixis makes all the sense. But I've actually been hitting walls with Grixis recently outside of Ashnod, who is glorious. If you haven't played her yet, you should play her. Um, but uh, yeah, Esper, Esper all the way. I, uh, I can't tell you how, how amazing it is having access to everything and being able to do everything all the time, all at once, always, forever. <gasps> Esper for life. Um, yeah, so I would definitely consider myself a, a bit of a bitch. A bit of a bitch, I can Esper confirm. players, hey, <laughs> we suck. <laughs> uh, as per my Aloro deck, yeah. yeah. Esper, Esper. He is... plays Aloro, I don't play Aloro, no. No, I have uh, other shenanigans. I'm playing Bane for that for that kind of concept. <laughs> yeah, Infinite right. Life Second, yeah. What should we talk about next? Okay, well, biggest discussion that we really wanted to go into this was the Rule Zero discussion. Outside of things, and we're going to talk about infinite combos and all that kind of stuff, maybe the, the hate on for low-cost mana rocks and all that. But Rule Zero, what determines power from experiences? What is it that really irks us about? Kind of what, uh, what defines and everything. Um, for myself, I really feel like it's free spells, tutors, um, a mana curve that cannot be argued with, so somewhere around like 150 to 170 is really, well, hold really on. efficient. <clears throat> Explain where you're getting that number from, because I was mana confused curve? about that. Oh, the mana curve is basically the, the total sum of all CMCs in the deck, adding up yeah. to the entire um, mana curve of the deck. So basically, if you're at 150, you're, you're playing on average one, two, or three drop uh, CMC spells. 
that's that is broken. Especially if you if you're playing combo or, uh, very very combo oriented decks, you're going to be doing that all the time. Uh, my my bane deck is all one to two CMC creatures that are being sacrificed all the time. So it's just like how much and how fast can you get stuff out given the the mana curve. Really for me especially dictates the the strength. And as well as for me an honor, honorable mention is the starting hand. You can always choose exactly how your game is going to go if you know that you're going to start off on a roller coaster or a nice little you know, this little trolley being pushed around by a grandmother. You know, like you'll you'll know the difference. And you'll feel that difference. A, a nice little trolley. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma speed or fourteen. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> not not that there's anything bad with granny speed. To all you granny. So out there. when it comes to rule zero, like <clears throat> I think it's really important, right? Like I think the 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 one thing that I have a hard time with, and I think it's like it's changed, especially in in the past four years is how do you determine how do you because there's a flaw in the fact that somebody can walk in to a play group and say my deck is a six and then as the game progresses people are like dude that's 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 like an eight or nine like Mm -hmm. what are you talking about and that can ruin the experience for a lot of people when Mm -hmm. there's it's not so much that person lied or it's if just they even that, understood the power of the deck. Right. You know? And it's like a fluid, ethereal thing where people understand whether or not... You tried to communicate to... There was a website that like had a, a list, <clears throat> basically, of certain prerequisites for each power level. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a gr- it's a great starting point. But, like, man, one deck without certain elements compared to one other deck without certain elements can be a 9 versus a 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's so hard. It's like the rule zero discussion. The reason we're having this discussion is because it's an ongoing discussion. It's, in the and yeah, it's constant. Mm-hmm. It's constantly evolving, especially with the more cards and the, the power creep we see mm-hmm. daily yeah. from from new sets. You know, it's insane. Yeah. Or not daily, but you know, with every with every new set coming out, you know, there's always some kind of change that everyone has to brace for. And yeah. now it's what we're looking down the barrel of toxin. Yeah. So bring back toxic. We're going yeah. yeah toxic. So, toxic. Yeah. So nothing. Bring official, back that. Nothing's official, but there's been a lot of talks recently that we we know we're getting a rules change to Magic along with the new card type. We know, right. Um, there's a lot of people who I've seen who are working in the industry of Magic near, and nothing's confirmed, but have been on the gauge of thinking at least that they're upping the infect counter rate. Really? That what? Like okay, what are you proposing there? That infect. Doubles in Commander instead what? of the same tag. Doubles in Commander. So, so that, that wouldn't be a magic thing. That would be a Commander advisory group. Yeah. Or like a Commander rules committee change, right? We don't know what it is, though. All that we know is that we're getting a rules <clears throat> change somewhere for something. Yeah, we've been told that magic itself, yeah. the way that magic is played is yeah. going to change, which That's has true. been alluded to in the recent Atraxa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll bring it up on screen here. The new, the new Atraxa. There's a description. Uh, it, what does it say? Does it say ca- is it Cascade or is it something else? No, um, I believe. Oh, it's, it's you draw X card. Or when you, I, I don't card know. of each type. It's either on ETB or Attack. I do believe it's ETB. Um, so you look at the top. You, you look at the you look at the top ten cards of your library, and then you may choose a one of each type of card and put that into your hand. Right, and the type. For the first time in Magic's history, or no, sorry, for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. I guess when when like Planeswalker was added, it was a you know it was a big deal. But now, for the first time in I think they said since like sixth edition, they're adding a new card type, which mm-hmm. is like a relevant card type. It's Fight, called is battle. battle. Battle, yeah, yeah. And battle. nobody knows what a battle card is yet. We thankfully we're recording this podcast yeah, before yeah. that's been leaked, Here, but we know 
I'll do the actual time. So flying, vigilance, death touch, lifelink, all of those evergreen abilities on Atraxa, right? So when Atraxa enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any random order. So it's it's Niv-Mazette reborn yeah. in a Phyrexian body with flying, vigilance, death touch, and lifelink. Yeah. But then, yeah, it says that the card types are artifact, battle, creature, enchantment, instant, land, planeswalker, and sorcery are card types. So yeah. there are a couple more that aren't listed there. They're, they've conveniently left out wow. tribal. Yeah. It's because we have... It's, tribal it's, sorceries, I it's, think. it's vocally confirmed by magic that we're not getting new tribal mm-hmm. cards, which is likely why they left that out. I think I haven't seen that in a minute since Laroen. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, have. Honestly, they, they, that's they just kind been of a kind of a nicheness. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, kind of like like, it's kind of like horsemanship. They like just arcane decided spells. to move past it. Yeah, like a splice on yeah. arcane. So the new set that came out. We don't have. I guess we can just speculate, right? Yeah, we can just do a little speculation because, like, battle battle is going to come to magic. Some people are, and, and okay, I'll, I'll I'll go down my lane here. Speaking of lanes, some people are criticizing uh, Doctor Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic: The Gathering. He at one time um, created a different game called Artifact, and it was supposed to be like this big new thing, this wonderful like it's inspired by magic. A lot of developers of it were lovers of magic and, and hall of famers of magic, I think. And they created Artifact, and it was this game where like there was multiple different lanes. There was essentially like three or whatever different battlefields happening at the same time, and it was. It was just too complicated. It actually flopped. Mm-hmm. It was this, they poured a bunch of money into it yeah, and they, they created it and it just flopped because it was just absolutely two fifth dimensional chess and it just didn't do well. And so I'm kind of worried that they're going to add to magic. What are you guys doing over there? <clears throat> just bringing up a little something. Um, c- continue. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, we're not fucking around here. <laughs> Sorry. I was just like, should <laughs> I all be part of the attention cast. to what you guys are pulling up over there? No, um, point of topics. The, uh, I, I'm worried that their like battle is going to be some sort of card type that starts another subsequent battle. Like they're like, you remember th- there's an old card, Shaharzad, mm-hmm. where it starts a sub game. Mm-hmm. They, they moved away from card types like that or like card mechanics like that because it just prolonged the game by starting a new one. Well, and it's funny, yeah. Karn Liberated sort of does the same thing, right? It, it But it doesn't... Karn Liberated, does it, it's ultimate, the Planeswalker, it stops the current game and starts a new sub game with, or does it just, I don't want to bring up Karn Liberated, because I know it does a similar thing, but it was different. Uh, so we do have pseudo, just to like interject while on that, while looking that up. Uh, we do have, restart the game, leaving, restart the game, restart the game. Exile, so it's the current game. Leaving yeah. in exile. All non-aura permanents exiled with Karn Liberated. Yeah. Then put those cards on the battlefield under their yeah. under your so control. It, it doesn't start a separate game. It restarts yeah. the game. That's so we do crazy. have a hint at what the new battle card is going to do. Oh, we do? Yeah. Out of out of the new pre-cons. Um, very specifically. Oh, that's why you're bringing this up. Okay. Yeah. What's this card? Uh, Nelia's Sons Vanguard is the uh, the rebel uh, pre-con. Just stop. Just do that. Um... Uh, so legendary creature attacking tokens you control have double strike Uh, powerful whenever one or more tokens you control attack a player exile the top card of your library during any turn you attack right I forgot with a token you may play that card which means battle has to in some regard deal with 
you getting combat on other players' turn. The the uh, agency to attack another player during someone else's yeah. turn. So my speculation for what it is is Ooh. I don't know if it's going to be an instant or an enchantment type card. I, I think like it that. is going to be one of the either or potentially a saga. I don't. But what it's almost guaranteed based off of that going to be working around is at least what I think it is is like I'm going to swing at you and full tap all of my creatures. Okay, cool. I've I've killed you. And the next opponent is going to sit back and be like, "I'm going to play my battle card at the during your combat. I'm now going to attack you during your turn because you just tapped out." Then they move to their turn and yeah, they can do everything. That else. so significantly changes the way that this game it is played. Everything. Yeah. If that's if that's <clears throat> and that's all that's how it's going to be. Yeah. Oh my god, this is going to be wild. There, there's going to be an, a whole new generation of people like, okay, I'm only playing popper. It's going to be like I'm only playing cards before fight yeah. or battle. You know, like. Yeah, I see people speak. Um, one of the uh, defining qualities of Hearthstone mm-hmm. is that there's no instant speed interaction. When, yeah. when it's your turn, you do everything that you do on your turn, you do it to your opponent, and there's no way for your opponent to interact with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's no Never. instant speed interaction. Magic is objectively better. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hearthstone did very well for itself, but it's it's not. It it will never have the impact that Magic has obviously. Yeah, had sorry, on sorry to the Hearthstone fans. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not trying to knock into too much. It's just the. It's there. The facts are there. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's to just be fair to the Hearthstone players though. They don't have to deal with mana, right? Yeah, they don't. Oh, and yeah, we yeah. are envious. Yeah, they don't have to deal with getting <laughs> mana screwed or anything. It's just so every thing. turn they get oh, one they... more mana to spend. Yeah. There was Arena. Arena did a, an interesting format. I remember Magic Arena, yeah. where you was it like a oh, what's that? Um, oh, I'm not going to remember it, so I'm not going to bother. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there was like a random format that you could play for fun, where you just got a mana each turn or a treasure each turn. Oh yeah, I'm not and sure. then you drew from a deck that had no land in it, and it was interesting. It was just like a fun format, but mm-hmm. it's it's, it's so just not how any magic? yeah. It's just not how the the <laughs> breadth of magic cards have been designed, and so it doesn't work. It it breaks things. It just yeah. breaks things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, circling back a little bit, just because we kind of got a little off nuance thanks to Atraxa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she does that. Well, we wanted the, to talk about that. Yeah, so yeah. she does that. Um, but for the rule zero and what determines power, so it's generally sought about that pre-cons are about as mid-tier as they can get. The pre-cons are generally agreed upon as being your power 5 out of 10 decks. Okay. So then your power 10 decks are going to be your CEDH level, like you're winning on realistically turn, like the one or two decks that won't win on turn 0. But realistically CEDH decks of that level, the power 10s, are looking at winning on one turns 1, 2, or 3. So I think that there's kind of three general metrics. Yeah, turn 0 win. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they do exist. <laughs> I'm a god. Oh yeah. I think that there's three general metrics that go into like really gearing the power level of a deck. Um, one, of course, is the synergy. If you're playing three cards and neither one of them interact with each other, you're not playing a synergized deck. If each one yeah. of them is, yeah, is interacting, like, yeah. making the, the other ones cheaper, getting you things for playing the other ones, card draw this, that. Yeah. If they interact with each other as you're playing them, that's You need a very good reason to rock a Yargle, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a very good reason. A giant frog. Yeah. Golgori Ruxa. Yeah. yeah. Um, the third... <laughs> that's it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the next general thing is a lot of it has to deal with your specific ability to self-ramp which is generally associated when it comes to um, some of the mana rocks, especially some of the mana rocks that are being printed lately where you're getting things like Jeweled Lotus, which um, the zero drop, sack for three mana for your commander. In your commander. It tastes no, like any color. single what color. Yeah. Tastes like. Um, 
that or going into like your various tutors. And there's so many tutors in just like mono black. Yeah, that the most amount of tutors are in mono black. Yeah, um, but then exactly that, where just like certain decks, especially like I think most of the time blue stands to be one of the top tier things that always just kind of takes over in Magic. Uh, it is, it's, well, it's considered the strongest archetype yeah. um, outside of blue artifact builds, which yeah. is Urza players and looking at you. Nah. Yeah, no, that's you, Brady. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, because it's always just it's if you're if if you're constantly able to either be drawing a ton of cards or specifically searching your deck for your win cons. Oh yeah, that's no. always going to be putting you ahead. I, yeah, yeah, I would even state like even 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 if your deck was kind of filled with jank, if you are guaranteed to be ca- drawing cards efficiently almost every turn, you yeah. will still be the, the nemesis on average probably. Yeah. Just especially if you're you're drawing into responses and to hopefully more of the deck synergy depending on the power strength and yeah. you know. Like or playing eight lands a turn, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, if if the other half of that deck had played out the way, it wouldn't have been that many lands. I mean, that's you can't control the ninety nine, right? Yeah, like you can't control the ninety nine. I mean, you um, can you can you can manipulate yeah, you can the manipulate. process, but you can't control it. Um, and then yeah, the third aspect that I think really determines power, and this is one that's hard to calculate, but I think I think a lot of people are starting to get a better idea for it, especially like our pod, um, is your average turn win. It's it's hard to calculate that most of the time, and most of the time you're not actually paying and ratio attention. and even win ratio. Yeah, and yeah. even win ratio. But it's like you think again, if a precon is power five, and you don't have a general gauge off of what that is, but you do know that turn ten is one two three, or yeah yeah one two three turn that you're gonna win. I think it's probably fair assumption that you're adding, let's say, three turns per level that you go down. So, so power nine is probably going to win around like five, like win yeah win around power like, nine. No, so on average, a power ten would win turn two. Yeah. A power nine, turn three. But that could also be variable. You could still win with a power 10, turn three. I have it a question. It all depends on the 99. <clears throat> I have a question because win turn three, win turn two, mm-hmm. these are perspective. They're not oh, yeah. common. They're not average. That, that, no, it's, right? it's, that, it's that, the that mulligan depends. shuffle. It's the, <clears throat> it's the perfect starting hand on average for CDH players, yeah. such as myself. You, you, you go with the, the maximum efficiency for your starting yeah. hand. And you'll probably go down sometimes to, to three cards, but you guarantee yeah. you'll yeah. have a Jeweled Lotus into your three cost commander and a, maybe a, a land. Yeah. No, like That's I was it. like you from know? the beginning when I first got into it and I was playing against some of these uh, hyper competitive magic players to start off with. And this is back in the day before we had half of the new tutors and half of the new draw engines and stuff that exists. Um, those decks were functionally guaranteed turn one, two, or three wins because that's just how the decks even back then ran. Now we have even more fetch, we have even more search, oh, we have yeah. even more mana. And that was in that was in standard and stuff. Yeah, so that wasn't was even commander. Um, like, yeah, standard and even like commander, just like that's that's how those things <laughs> ran. So it's like it is a rare thing. You're not really going to see it outside of like really high competitive play. Even now, I have a few friends that like their whole decks are built around that. And I've watched and participated in some of these games where five people are sitting down at the table. It's a race to who wins on turn two, and the only thing that stops them from winning on turn two, three, is because somebody had the counterspell in their hand to delay them a turn. It's it's out there. It's just those decks are craft. It's 99 cards crafted to play two cards. Everything else yeah, in the deck yeah, is yeah. getting those two cards out so that you win. It's not. Yeah. It's it's within the constraints of the format and the and the format's ban list. Yeah, and that's awesome. It obviously nobody like not everybody can play like that because right? it's you have to have a pretty pricey deck. Yeah. To have it sing that kind of song yeah. consistently. And that's on even CDH decks. Like, <clears throat> there are budget CDH builds, but on average, they do not exist. We're talking yeah. like the 1 in 10. Mm-hmm. The that's... 1 in 10 is a $50 CDH deck 
and even then you're sourcing, you're digging, like mm -hmm. there's a lot of work that goes into that build, unless you're just proxying. In that case, you are just doing it. You're just yeah. doing it. Should we actually talk about proxies? Well, hold on. I want to talk about the fact that we want to include Popper and we had, we did some Popper, Popper games and today. Popper and proxies the, in terms of the Dexter's talk. The talking, reason perfect. that we wanted to include Popper in this channel, or at least the reason that I'm excited that we're including Popper in this channel is because just like showcase what you can do, like what kind of awesome magic that you can play with a deck that costs less than 20 bucks mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I, I got excited with my popper deck and I bought like, you know, some yeah, of yours those, is pretty spicy. The, Ar like or the Strixhaven <laughs> it's, versions it's of the counter spells yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like, I don't, I think I spent 70, like, mm -hmm. but it's still like, if you think about the first time I bought a commander deck, mm -hmm. I what did I, I sold something expensive to make my first commander deck. Yeah. Like yeah. I I had to like had to put hundreds of dollars into it. Yeah. But even <clears throat> great example of that is and you'll see in the episode um you spent however much. I don't know how much yours really went. I just went into my common jank, the stuff that I oh, bulk. I was a yeah, bulk builder. I just, well. I just went in. I, I'd be surprised if my deck cost more 10 than bucks. ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. at least um, for me, guaranteed ten bucks. And I was, I was in my own right dominating today for for popper like yeah you were tanner, really tanner well. stole that uh, yeah tanner I, stole that. I drew a kitty at the right yeah. turn and yeah. i came back but without that you would have totally smashed me yeah and like i drew two lands where if there it had been so any of the other smashing that deck. game yeah <laughs> um all but on that so note hard. if you like popper and you're watching this and you like us uh message us yeah we'd love yeah, to have yeah, we'll, guest yeah. On yeah absolutely we'll we'll highlight your your best question and comment <laughs> No, 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 no. We're like, not, hi not highlight. Like, if you'd like to play Popper, let us know, and like, we'll yeah. have you on the show. Uh, if you live in the Alberta, Calgary area, even outwardly, but just we're not doing any traveling for the channel anytime soon. So not yet. If you find yourself in our neck of the woods, yeah, reach out to us. Calgary, uh, Alberta. And uh, we'd love to have some of you on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We want to make this as organic as possible. So please, your inclusion is a must. Yes. And we're all about building a community. Yep. Like uh, taking our passion, taking the passion that you all have as well, and just making sure that we all have a place where we can share that. Heck yeah. And have a great time doing so. Mm, probably you ask for something better. All right. So are we ready to move on from the, the Power Real Zero discussion? Yeah, yeah. We've definitely got one, one other thing. Um, in, in Credence and uh, all love to the professor, you're probably never going to actually see this, but if you do, I agree. We should ban Soul Ring. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so is that what you want to talk about next? <laughs> yeah, oh, well, no, no, that was my little <laughs> He's got it on there. I mean, I hear, yeah. So let's talk about low-cost mana rocks. <laughs> yeah, so this, this category is titled oh, Mana Crypt, etc. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts off with Fuck Jeweled Lotus. So yeah. let's talk about how powerful is a, a zero-cost artifact that guarantees the synergy of your deck popping off right away. Let's talk about that. Mm. Well... I personally love it. I, I swim in jeweled lotuses. I uh, I have about 20 in my collection because I'm rich. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have uh, I have one and I've proxied three others. And you know what? At that point, I, I do want to talk about proxies a little bit later. But they are there is a clear difference, especially when you when you when you can win and you know it was because of the jeweled lotus that that alone is cheeky and mm -hmm. especially like uh, one of my uh, favorite decks to play with it in it is Chishiro, the Shattered Blade. A turn one Chishiro into our, like, and and having land come out and then popping out all your auras and low cost, zero cost equipment and or auras. And then all of a sudden you're just ramping turn two, you have you already have four creatures that that will induce salt and everyone's gonna start like nemesis for the next 10 turns. I don't even care if we field wipe you kind of mentality. And I've gone through that for sure. And that's, mm -hmm. a, uh, that's where I think the arguments like, you know, kind of stops because unless you're actively going into me, like, hey guys, I have a Jude Lotus. Hey, hey, so do I. I'm like, cool. Then maybe we should actually go against each other as opposed to mm -hmm. 
or again, also understanding if it's on your starting hand, you know, that whole debate. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Brandon? I mean, it's a hard thing to gauge. I think that a lot of effort is being put into magic to make it faster, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily more accessible. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. If if they mass printed jeweled Lotus, like, Hey, everybody gets a jeweled Lotus. Yeah. It turns into like, Oh my God, that's love your LGS jeweled Lotus prints. But that's the thing. If you're going to try and make the game faster, because like, what is jeweled Lotus? Jeweled Lotus is the game reprinting the turn one Sol Ring into arcane signet. And instead just letting you do that instead of turn two, casting that four cost commander, it's dropping your four cost on turn one. They've sped up the game. But for, what is it, 100, 110 now for Jeweled Lotus? At least Canadian? It was. I don't know if it still is. Give us a read. Yeah. Zero cost um, artifact. Tap. Sacrifice Jeweled Lotus. Add three mana of any one color. Spend this mana only to cast your commander. Now it's limited. It stops. You can't just use that to, like, pop off into whatever. I know. Glissa players. I know three card, or yeah, like I know two card, three mana combos that like go infinite sort of thing. It's like, it's great that you can't use it for that. But just the ability to be dropping that down, you have no delay, you have no stall. And with some of the commanders out there, especially nowadays, um, just like, I don't know the exact numbers. uh, It's been covered a little bit. We saw something like 300 plus commanders in the last year alone compared to like 100 plus from the last, like the years before. I wish there was never a community pull up for that. That'd be fun. Um, it's just turning into this nuance of like again they're speeding up the game and that's not necessarily a problem but the problem exists where you're speeding up the game but you're not making the game accessible so you have somebody's gonna go they're gonna have the money they're gonna have whatever they can go get their jeweled lotus they're immediately at an advantage over the person who can't spend that money and is going to have like a a soul ring versus the jeweled lotus they kind of even out but not really the jeweled lotus is always going to be benefit if you're eight turns in and you cast your soul ring, you get a little bit of mana. So I have something to say that because in regards to like you mentioned the the player who has the money mm-hmm. and the weight that that bears on their ability to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I encountered that in my in my journey playing commander, and I met this point where I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm gonna print 200 pages of proxies of staples and lands, mm-hmm. mana base, you know, fast mana, and not only am I gonna like flesh them out through my decks, but I'm going to just give them to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was a weird like journey the, we went yeah, on. Yeah, you, you created a, an interesting ripple effect because there, yeah. was, there, there, was, there was many of us and I was completely opposed mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. But I was also a Puritan and I believed in, in breaking your bank in order to feel justified in your collection. And that, yeah, that let me tell you, is a very toxic trait to have. Yeah, so I, I advocate for proxies these days. The, the reason that I did that was because I like there was people in our group that had Mana Crypt. Mm-hmm. There was people in our group that owned Jace the Mind Sculptor, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they were playing them. Yeah. And I just, I was like, man, like, I don't like the fact that certain people don't have those cards in the deck where it's like high synergy because they just, like, man, it's like $100 a card or, or more, mm-hmm. like 250 were Mana Crypt for a time, mm-hmm. right? It was just like a, a limitation where it was like the, the card's legal in the format and the card is like, like, whatever. If we want to enjoy playing with the card, Let's just play with the card. Yep. And then there was some pushback, especially with Guy's Cradle. Guy's Cradle is busted. I hate oh, yeah. that card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guy's Cradle, I think, to this day is still the one proxied card that nobody will allow anybody to play. Yeah, within um, reason. Yes, yeah, Guy's Cradle. That, yeah, it's regardless. Tap for green mana equal to the number of creatures you control. Yeah. It's, it's, it it's, takes it's, away games and, like, it's fine. Like, I, I enjoy – that's the, the – again, coming back to Rule Zero. Yep. If, you, if you are down – 
to play against the cards that are legal in the format, mm-hmm. then let's go. But as long as everybody knows that, like, hey, I'm playing with Guy's Cradle. Yeah. I'm playing. At this point, I, for instance, I'll reference the game that we had today, Mana Crypt. It's a great card. Mm-hmm. It's but I'll, I'm awesome. gonna I'm gonna posit this to you. Mm-hmm. It's a zero mana artifact that taps for two colorless, mm-hmm. and every single turn you start, you have to flip a coin to see if you take three damage. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a soul ring that for one turn you get it cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then that soul ring beats the devil out of you for the rest of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I took thirty damage from my own stuff mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in that one game. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I loved you for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That mana crypt beat me. But death. that's the thing too, like you know, the right place, right time. A card like Mana Crypt is broken in Aloro. It's broken in any life game. Right. Any but I all. think it's Kyrick fair. Builds, Kyrick players. Mm-hmm. I think Love if you, you if you think no, Soul 100%. Ring is fair, I think Bana- Mana Crypt is like perfectly fair because it's yeah. one less mana. Yeah. But it deals a lot of damage to you. It does. Or it, it could. And you can't. And there's what's that one card? Like you, you could have an effect on the battlefield if you have to flip a f- coin. You know, flip again. And like, can you imagine having that? It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm flipping two coins and getting burned six damage. Yeah. No, that's also, not cool. Also, even just like the amount of red cards these days that deal with extra, like you've taken damage, take that much more damage. Like, oh yeah. Having oh, oh yeah, no like excess wound reflection based yeah. uh, type cards yeah. now. They, they're getting there. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's the big thing with Jeweled Lotus is it's not that it, it's a bad card. It's that it has no downsides, really. It ca- only casting on Commander, sure, it's a little bit of a hiccup. That's not really a downside. Uh, actually, no, I would, say, I would say one of its downsides is the fact that it doesn't do any more than one color. And yeah. I will say this, it's a card in your deck that goes to your graveyard. It's yeah. not usable every turn. Yeah. So the downside is it's a one shot. Yeah. And I, I, I've one encountered shot, broken, this. Glass cannon, but could potentially win you the game. Two of my Pony. favorite commanders are Itali, the Primal Storm, and yeah. the Locust God. And I have fast oh, mana in those decks. <laughs> and sometimes I use them and then people destroy the mana and I'm left with one or two lands and I'm just dead for the game yeah. because I can't recover. Yeah. I can't, if I use fast mana to get my commander out and then I lose my fast mana. So a a jeweled lotus, you crack it, it's gone. Yeah. If we're ta- if we're not talking about recursion, I think it's completely fair. It's yeah. a, it's like a dark ritual. If if we're talking about jeweled lotus being unfair, why is jeweled lotus over a hundred dollars and dark ritual is a common that's worth six bucks or four bucks? Well, that's the the ultra how? original is worth quite a bit, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. And also the Strixhaven version is worth yeah. eight dollars or something. So <laughs> yeah. That's also, much. again, <laughs> and that was my whole thing. It, it's it's access. Yeah. Is no card is broken inherently if everybody has the ability to drop it yeah and it was printed at rare so yeah. there's less of them in the yeah. world yeah yeah and it was only in one set yeah so it's like and that's and that's what most of it boils down to yeah. is it's unfortunate when you sit down on a pod and everybody's basically playing the same deck because you're just playing the staples that is an unfortunate side but that's also part of the game you know it's nobody cdh players looking at you people are probably <laughs> gonna have more fun like you've got you've it's got, true yeah you've yeah. got you've got four players playing blue it's going to be more fun for everybody to play yeah. playing that Mystic study and yeah, just the, yeah. the annoyingness of everybody. Being like, Are you paying the three how many, now? Are you paying the three? Yeah. How many decks can be different in a certain color scheme when it can only revolve around Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oracle. But you ignore that anyways. My fellow CDH players, you ignore that. And you just do it anyways because you like that. Yeah. We like I, that, I actually, we? like, in the game that we played today, there was a Crux of Fate, a board wipe that was put on the stack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I answered with Counterspell. Mm-hmm. And then you answered with the uh, mirror the, shell crab. Uh, yeah, or the something? channel, the channel uh, activated channel ability. Yeah. You discard unless you pay three, and you tapped out for it. So some of my favorite moments in Magic playing with my friends are when you not only have to like you think you have the answer, but you have to think layers deep yeah. to see whether or not it's going to resolve. 
and oh, yeah, I lost my board my there. Thing, yeah, the brain work is what this game is all about for me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'd have no. I, I would be bored building decks. I'm like, yeah. I only want one. I'm only gonna play Kess, Dissident <laughs> yeah. Mage. Only one. How do you, how many decks do you have? <laughs> uh, I'm downsizing. So I was at I was at 48, and now I'm at 42, and that is going to be reduced all the way to 30 or so because I want to only have the perfect representation of every color scheme. Um, or sorry, every archetype in, in color combination, period. And so far I'm having a really good time with it and I'm still deci deciding over Demir and Rakdos decks. But aside from that, like I know exactly who my favorite Naya deck is, Polani players, you know, things like that, you know, so it really adds up. And I love that, di that, that diversity, especially with some of my favorite favorites. I usually use like a CMCs to dictate the strength of the deck. So if it's a three CMC deck, that you can almost expect it to be really strong. Whereas if it's a bit stronger or a bit, you know, like when I had Memnark, I was like, I can't do too much with Memnark. So I went with Urza again, you know, and, that's not even Urza anymore. It's Galazeth Prismari, and Urza's in the 99, and holy crap, it's so much stronger. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All right, where do we want to go? I mean, like, well, do anybody have anything well, else to say about Fast Mana? Uh, I mean, I don't agree with banning Soaring, <laughs> but I still think rule zero discussion, rule zero discussion. Always. If, if, I... Especially, you can go into a game and be like, okay, guys, no turn one Soaring. That can be a rule zero uh, oh. Discussion you can have. Nobody, you can just go into it. Kind of limit, limit your, <laughs> limit your style. Limit, limit exactly what you can do, but still not have it off the table. You can still play your soul ring. I just watch how personally, if somebody were just like no turn one soul ring, it's probably going to come with other caveats. Is like you can't do a th this on turn three, and I would probably just pack up my deck and walk away. It's yeah. like, come on, well, like, fuck you. We don't want you here. <laughs> cards are legal in the format. <laughs> no, like no, every, no, yeah, every yeah. so I, often, like so, for instance, with this game that we played, I, I pulled. I had to mulligan. Yeah, your start was rough. I mulliganed twice or whatever, right? And then I, I pulled a grip of essentially all lands and a mana crypt and a soul ring. And you won. And, <laughs> well, I won, but I also got my entire board wiped. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Except twice? for the mana crypt and soul ring, no, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a discussion. And I mean, um, uh, Dylan brought it up at the end. He was just like, shit, man. Like, are we, are we playing with those cards kind of thing? I, didn't, I thought we weren't playing with those cards. So yeah, like again, that's why we're having these discussions. Yeah. But Rule Zero, must I think be they're totally fine because I don't get those cards every time I play that deck. And exactly, if you are and you look at this as a CDH player, if you want, you're gonna you're gonna uh, London Mully until you hit any of those rocks. If you want to play competitively, if your starting hand is going to be the, the have the max potential, you're going to go down to two or three or four cards. Mm -hmm. so you're going to take that risk. So that can be part of the rule of zero discussions. Like, I'm going to go into this as a stronger deck, but I'm not going to go into this expecting a perfect start and making everyone else salty for me for the first five turns in which nobody, mm -hmm. like myself as an example, I got a little bit mana screwed. I wasn't able to do too much compared mm -hmm. to another uh, uh, testing of the deck that I had um, the other day with Brando here. I was a terrifying force of nature, but I, I still didn't win. You know, Tyranids... But yeah, either way, yeah. you know, it's not the same. It all depends on the starting hand. Well, know. and I, I will actually, to, to relate to the topic in whole, I looked at the hand and I actually, I, I asked everybody at the table. I communicated to everybody. I was like, I've got a mana crypt and a soul ring in my opening hand. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I have a turn to six mana locust god. Is, and I asked if everybody was okay with that. And you all said yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was play, confident. I, was like, I, I followed up. I was like, I also have, I had a dual lotus in my hand. I'm oh, like, yeah. I also have an interesting, and I was going to gamble the first two turns hoping hoping for a black mana source, and I did not get that for three or yeah. four turns. And I was, yeah. so, you'll see yeah. me in the in the filming. I was, when my hat was down, I'm like, glaring at yeah. my hand. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. I, 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 the reason I, like, and it all comes down to like what you draw, because when I drew two, it's like I had my, I had my colored mana, I had my biophagus, which taps for a mana, and I had my sporocyst. And I'm like, 
about all the mana. Yeah, I, I mean, need, you like, were. I mean, yeah, you had the most mana out of anybody in that yeah, game. Yeah, I think it was like what turn th- turn three. I had six mana. <laughs> no, to yep. start, no, start, 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 start of turn four, I had six mana. Oh, okay. And then it was like, I think turn seven, I had 17 lands on the battlefield. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it just all went right out the window. Yeah, yeah. right out the window. <laughs> yeah. All right, now this is going to be a very important topic. Um, infinite combos. Mm-hmm. Infinite combos. Infinity. Show me um, some kind of weird void above me now. Now, are we going to speak about this in regards to the content that we produce or I, just talking about it in the in world general, of Commander? I think a rule zero discussion as well as, you know, even what we, well, I, what I use infinite combos for, which mm-hmm. is infinity or, or how anyone else wants to do it, which can be honestly fairly altruistic shenanigans in group hug. You, know? you, you can never use know. infinite combos to go infinite? I think you could only do it like once or twice. Only up to 10 actually. Is, oh, there, is there a way to build a deck where your infinite combo <laughs> makes someone else win? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, Feldegriff, Feldegriff can okay, be, okay. can be, uh, yeah, no, 100%. It all depends. So, yeah, no, uh, big uh, point of discussion, especially in our pod in the last couple months, is uh, how fair and unfair they are, especially in terms of how it relates to rule zero discussion. Um, I think infinite combos are completely fine. I think it takes a lot of work to make some of them absolutely ferocious. Again, the power nine to ten CDH decks, if they're revolving around infinite combos, which they likely are. Um, it'll be fast and spontaneous and ridiculous, but at the same time, you know, everything really comes down to how to utilize the, the infinite combo in, in, let's say, turn five or six. You know, I feel like everyone always has the ability to choose exactly how they play the game at any point. You know, I'm building a Toxroll deck, so obviously I have to decide when to play Toxroll, right? But, you know, in terms of how I interact with other players and seeing maybe that there might be another player behind or any of that kind of stuff, I'm like, I can pop out now. I might even say if I win turn three or four, hey guys, and this is actually something that my uh, my friend introduced to me, but you hit your infinite uh, infinite win and then you just back out. Like, hey, that was the quickest it could possibly have been. I do have some other things I got to do. You guys can keep playing. I tech won by mm-hmm. technicality, but I'm out. Mm-hmm. Out, see. And that, I love that. It's one of the most altruistic, respectable means to A, win fast and competitively, but also just make it fair for everybody because... When everyone's when you're scooping that fast and everyone wanted that they wanted the traction they wanted to battle cruise a bit you know they wanted to to socialize and and maybe just not play that competitively if it's up for that player who hit that combo at that point to step out props to you man that's 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 a really that's a really smart thing to do mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's based in consideration and compassion of your fellow gamers like that's something that is unique to commander uh, uh, Brandon here is like hey should I, should I go for jank or should I go for the bullshit it's my usual go-to yeah, yeah if, if I, I have if I have the infinite line in my hand I usually I usually <laughs> almost always turn to this boy right here you should I should I usually said like do it I always ask it's yeah. like especially all of my decks that I have... In my best Janeway voice, do it. Almost all of my decks have <laughs> some form of infinite combo in them, but they're not the win cons. And that's the big thing that determines for me is that I'm not looking to win with the infinite combo. It's there as the last minute saving grace. Whoo, that was close, I won. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Henzi, Toolbox Torre, one of my favorite commanders of mine and just one of, I think, one of the best commanders ever printed now, now that I've seen just how the deck tech can be played in so many different ways, uh, was one of the prime examples. Because uh, it's Protean Hulk, uh, it's a six drop, two green pip creature. When it dies, top shelf creature. Uh, you search for mana value equal to six, or any number of creatures with total mana value equal to six, put them onto the battlefield. So its combo is uh, it pulls out a little green creature, Michaela. Um, creatures you control can't get negative counters. And then a little uh, black red uh, goblin assassin that when it dies, 
uh, it deals murderous two damage. Cap. Murderous red cap. Murderous red cap. Yeah. When it dies, it deals two <clears throat> damage to any target. So the whole idea for that is, I pro. And it I has mean, undying, right? It, what, it, it two, two to one. It has persist. persist. So it's, yeah. it's it's still infinite. So it's yeah. basically two damage. Yeah. So basically, I just I I play out my game until I find a recursive sack engine. Um, most of the time, it's like Ashnod's altar or something that I can tap for mana. Classic mana. Uh, and then it's just, sa- yeah, it's it's just feed into that and it goes infinite. But the whole idea behind that is that so many times I'll get that Protean Hulk and I'm like, okay, I have the line, I have my Ashnod's altar or something on the battlefield, but I, it wouldn't feel right to win this way. So I'll instead be like, hey, could have, kind of in the same facet of just like you could step away and be like, hey. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I also don't like to just step away from coulda. games. Yeah, coulda. So I'll just say, nope. I'm not going to fetch for it. I'm going to fetch for And my usual go-to is Kokusho because a 6-6 a six, six or 5? Yeah, a 5-5 five, five flying when it dies, each opponent loses 5 life. I gain that much life. That could be a lot. And in a big group, uh-huh. <laughs> that could be a lot of life. Yeah, and it's like you don't need to run the infinite combos Ayo, to win. Six-player commander games. It's, it's just nice to have you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I agree with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it is it is kind of the whole thing of like on our channel here as well. We're trying to step away from and kind of gauge where infinite combos should and can be used, because especially in today's system of of magic, they can they're they're overused nowadays. Almost everybody that I see using infinite combos, they're pretty is, simple too. You know, yeah. like uh, exquisite blood and sanguine bond. Anything that creates that combo, it has its own. You know, you know what you're making up again. Uh, an infinite combo would be fastest oracle and demonic consultation. Yeah. Anything that goes brrr, goes all the way down, fixes you know any of that. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> actually, do we want to talk about cards in like the decks that we played? Because I have, I have one that I wouldn't mind discussing yeah, no, absolutely. here. Absolutely. So it was a p- card I picked up the other day. Uh, it's called Sage of the Falls. It's and on this the, was from it, your Locust God deck. Yes, from yeah. the Locust God deck. The, so on the screen now you see oh. a fifty cent card, uh, Sage of the Falls like from Eldraine. <laughs> it's four and a blue merfolk wizard whenever sage of the falls or another non-human creature enters the battlefield under your control you may draw a card if you do discard a card so for 50 cents this goes into locust god basically whenever a locust enters the battlefield draw a card mm-hmm. which creates a locust which draws a card mm-hmm. which creates a locust which draws a card mm-hmm. but it, it says may right you mm-hmm. may draw a card so basically this card allows me like the minute it hits the battlefield it just I can choose all right, I'm going to draw how many 50 cards. Given how many cards in your deck. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'll, I'll draw 75 cards, create 75 locusts. Yeah. But it doesn't allow me to just, like, combo win, right? I draw 70, yeah. but I have to discard 70. Well, you could, uh, so like, there's one thing. Sorry. This um, okay. uh, not even to give you the heat, but on an idea, is the old uh, Eldrazi's. Uh, especially the like the Titans cause like Ulamog, the band Emrakul. Uh, specifically, their last ability is whenever they're put into the graveyard from anywhere... Shuffle your graveyard back into your library. Oh, so you're just slapping one of those, even if you never plan to actually play it. Is just okay. I'm gonna draw my deck. Whoops, yeah. this goes in the graveyard. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna draw my deck uh, again. Actually, oh, that that, uh, that is again. the mechanic from my Tayam. Uh, Tayam. Tayam. Uh, Glorious Enigma. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So basically, uh, for three colorless, you mill three cards and then you return a CMC permanence to the battlefield. So. Um, it can go infinite on multiple uh, circumstances where you self-mill infinitely. And the one card that ke- uh, keeps the, en- the, generate, uh, the engine going is Guy's Blessing. Because as soon... Mm. And I need... There's a bit of a variable, so it's not necessarily completely um, infinite necessarily. But I can almost on average 
hit a certain point, reshuffle everything back in. If I start off my game with making sure I have more than enough permanence in my battlefield, I won't hit that uh, that window and I can just keep going and going and going and then everyone's sacrificing everything. I'm getting infinite life. I'm drawing my whole deck out minus the cards that I can't from Guy's Blessing. It's just goes, 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 goes. And there's all it. It's basically an Urza combo, mm -hmm. but in... in uh, well, see, and the, the difference between stuff like that is like there's infinite combos that like <clears throat> my infinite combo is triggering and happening and the game is over. Luminous and then enigma. there's like Sage of the Falls here is it's not it's not infinite, mm -hmm. right? It's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's I can I can draw as many cards in my deck as I want and it may end the game because I could just create uh you know 80 1/1 mm -hmm. haste mm -hmm. flyers. So I could but then again, it's not sometimes it's not even enough to finish. Yep. And it puts me at a very low deck count. Yep. And like there so there I love cards like this because they're the high synergy that that you can loop mm -hmm. and like you can go the what's synergistic or whatever like the same as an infinite combo is that it can keep going as long as you want it mm -hmm. and the cool thing about it is that like it can put me in a position to probably take out two players in a turn yeah and i love that i love this card and yeah. I, I i got it the other day finally flavor yeah and i was really hoping to draw it today and play Ooh, the it. sex appeal yeah. in that art too and the sex appeal damn but yeah, yeah so like there's, there's infinite that combos fish. that just that like i I, I drew this card. Sorry, guys. We're, let's just shuffle up and and play another game. Yep. And then there's like infinite combos that just make things interesting. Yeah. Aldrain Merfolk lacked the sex appeal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent Merfolk. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, I agree. Not all infinite combos are created equally. Or Merfolk. Um, especially like anything that I, I, I realistic. <laughs> or Merfolk. Or Merfolk. <laughs> True. Cheers to that. <laughs> um, it's like anything that's dealing damage infinite is obviously going to be your most overpowered because that's just, yeah. that's how you kill it. Or infinite mana with, with where, well, what else can you do with it? You know, formula X decks, if you're using infinite mana, you're burning someone or yeah. milling someone out completely. Yeah. Um, but even then, the amount of like, like in a couple of infinite combos in my deck, actually, then I think you've had one that you've recently built where it's like, it's just infinite mana. Yep. And then that's all it is. you could all you, like there's what no What can I do with it? Well, no anything I can do with it that turn. Yeah. It's, and that's fair infinite mana. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all you have at your disposal then is what you actually have at your disposal. Mm -hmm. It's it's different. I've one of my old infinite combos that I don't run anymore out of that uh, my old prime speaker deck was infinite card draw, right? Because I had the Eldrazi's in there, so I could just keep recycling my deck sort of thing. Similar to that, it wasn't the exact same, uh, but it was infinite card draw. Um, it didn't matter. I got to basically just choose what was in my hand at any given time. Yeah, that's, which is great. That's kind of what Sage of the Falls does. I like so let's, say, let's say I draw seventy and discard seventy. I just Draw 70, pick the best seven. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's right. exactly that. But it's like, that doesn't mean that I win. If there's counter spells to counter what the heck I'm shuffling into my hand off of that, like that's... Yeah, there's skill involved in picking the best seven, Yeah. right? Being like, I can only keep seven of these cards and I got to figure out like, what do I keep to make sure that I can cruise through to win? Yeah. And guaranteed, man, sometimes you're going to put a bunch of cards in the graveyard and think you're okay. And then you're going to be like, oh, I wish I didn't Yeah. <laughs> throw that away. Well, uh, okay, so let's let's carry on with our conversation about some things. We did mention talking about our first rough da uh, rush draft, and we can probably insert some uh, some snippets from that because oh um, yeah 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 we've been working out our formula, you know, working out the kinks. Um, Here's a preview of yeah, our first recording. MVP though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. these are blue. We're gonna go three blue and then uh, three other. We're gonna play our Canis the Omnipotent. 
Um, he taps to draw three cards. He's a 3-4. Mm. I believe it's pronounced omnipotent. <laughs> omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. For the out there doing that, For that, Brady, <laughs> for that, take one. <laughs> Is that the only attack? Okay, that's I'll the take only one. attack. <laughs> okay. I'm emotionally attacking, Brady. Okay. <laughs> and I pass the turn. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? <laughs> Wasn't that great? Now you'll notice that I missed a bunch of triggers on my first wheel. So did Brennan, and so did Dylan. Now on my second wheel, same thing happened. We were not as good as we could have been. But well, we didn't show them the whole episode. <laughs> okay, well, here, let's pull episode here. <laughs> but, uh... It's <laughs> not going to be the full episode. I'll show you snippets. Yeah, well, you just watched Blooper of me going, slapping my face because I drew children when I was being an asshole. So, anyways, um, you know... Uh, <laughs> wait, what are we talking about? So, yeah. We're talking about the, the, first, the first draft and the perils that we encountered. Yeah, the perils, because we're working out the kings. We're really making it, like, especially when we want to get every episode down. We're not as necessarily analytical as we want to be when it comes to perfect moves and all that kind of stuff. So we're really working on our editing and all that kind of stuff. Because we also want to make things seem organic and flowy, but at the same time, we're derpy. Guys, humans. magic is so hard. Is that? It's, it's like such a hard what game. What was it? Uh, MIT, I think 2022 <laughs> or 2021, uh, put it Magic the Gathering on its list of most complicated game ever invented yep. by human. Yep. Uh, there yep. was a video. Um, I'll see if I can find it and we can link it. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, or at least... Uh, content creator on YouTube, probably like close to 10 years ago now. Um, he made a computer out of a magic deck. Yeah. He basically yeah. just chose cards, assigned them numerical values, and basically said, it's like, okay, so it's like when I play this thing. Yeah, this it turned it into like a binary system. He basically <laughs> created a rudimentary. It was it was basically a calculator, right? Uh, yeah. Turing machine? Turing uh, Adam, machine? Adam, Adam, Adam. Uh, well, famous famous guy who Alan Turing. Al yeah. Alan Turing well, basically made a Turing machine out of magic cards. Yeah. So the command zone did an episode with, with Kyle, Kyle Smith. Hill. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Hill. Hill. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Hill. And Kyle Hill Sorry, showcased man. that that whole thing. You. It might have been Kyle Hill that was the original. I don't think. It no, Kyle he wasn't the original. Was Kyle Hill. Well, no, Kyle Hill did a his own he... episode on because science. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was because science. Yeah. He has a YouTube channel. Hey, Kyle. I love. I love Kyle Hill. When he did the whole Darth, the whole Darth Vader discussion, yeah. like how who would win, Darth Vader or the aliens? <laughs> hey, Kyle aliens Hill, if you're watching this, <laughs> Sup, Kyle? we want to play with you. Yeah, we want to play with you. Come visit. We love you. I love you. Same with you, the professor. We'll we'll no Sol rings during that game. I promise. We can oh make. Oh my gosh. We can make babies. <clears throat> if yeah, if I ever play a game with a professor, I'm putting 99 soul rings <laughs> in my deck. <laughs> this is a. <laughs> it's called Singleton. For... <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about the rough draft discussion and how baby yeah. steps matter in terms of our editing process. Mm. We're working on it, so I hope going forward, and we'll have snippets from that episode going up. We'll we'll make it, um, or at least give you links towards that. But you'll see exactly just how organic we really want this to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we the. The last discussion is honestly the game that we had. Um, we're going to, I guess, talk about how Tanner won the game and how we all suck. I tried. Is that how we're wrapping that up? Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I, all right, calm down. Calm down. Going to the closet tonight because it's the only place I feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I played my Locust God in the rough draft that we did the first recording. Mm -hmm. <clears> the people out there, who's, who is Locust God? Who is that? What? Who is that Locust God? What are you talking about? For the people who don't know who you're talking about. Oh, who is the Locust God? Yeah. Um, He's the god of locusts. <laughs> this right here. <laughs> really? Caterpillar style. Card on the screen. Yes, the locust god, it uh, basically rewards you with a 1 1 haste flyer for every card you draw, which is. For every individual card draw. Every individual card Trigger. you draw, you get a, a haste flyer. It's pretty gross. It's um. This was the second commander deck that I ever built. Yep. My first was Jeskai, was uh, Narset, yeah. Parter. No. 
Narset. Narset. Well, sorry, what? what? Enlightened Tutor, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just... Classic OP goat. It would have been, like... The thing is, I built the deck around... I wanted to build that deck around, like, Kiki-Jiki, Pestermite, mm -hmm. uh, Restoration Angel, like, those kind <laughs> of combos. I'm building a CDH deck, but it's <laughs> not CDH. I, yeah, I, st <laughs> I started, I was like, I want to build this deck around the Flicker combos. Yeah. But yeah. And I was like, I need Jeskai to do that, and Narset was yeah. kind of... Narset was a non-bow, though. Yeah. Every time I played Narset, it would exile all of my creatures whenever I attacked with her. So yeah. it was a weird... It was a learning experience. Yeah. Um, but... My second deck I ever built was Locust God. I pulled that Locust God out of a pack. Hour of Devastation, the second set to come out in my magic career. Mm -hmm. Pulling a Locust God out of the pack and playing it in limited made me, I was like, this card is busted. Did you mm -hmm. feel like a I felt like a god. <laughs> Did you yeah. feel? Did you feel the, the insects crawl over your skin? It was amazing. That's what I felt, and <laughs> I think I think maybe like the that card coming out of that pack into my hands really supercharged my love for this game and, and commander in general. You know, when I when I when I first went through my first card collection uh, uh, way back in uh, the old Cascade days, two thousand thirteen, I remember going through because I had a, an Avon deck, um, uh, and Commander Esha was the. Uh, was like the rare card from that whole deck. And Rebecca Gay, thank you so much, because it was literally your artwork that did all this for me, 100%. 100%. So thank you for that, by the way. One of the greats. Rebecca, oh, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you to Magic Their the husband, Gathering. Their husband is now part of the, the meta community as well oh, for cool. artists. Yeah. Thank you, Magic the Gathering, for creating the most perfect creature thing that could ever existed, the Eldrazi's. The Eldrazi's. Are my bread and butter. The pure existential terror. I same similar kind of story. Uh, it's because you're a Lovecrafty and weeb. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, big time, <laughs> big time. Um, you know, similar story to I you. Mean, I mean, like, I'm pro uh, so The I second deck I, I built, judge. Prime Speaker, my Simic card draw, big swole boy, um, only existed because uh, it was like the Zendikar set that was at the time. Um, I pulled the uh, Ulamog, uh, not the Infinite Guy or Ceaseless Hunger. The Ceaseless Hunger. And I instantly fell in love. I I looked at those tentacles and <laughs> magic cards innocent, make you feel in, things, innocent man. Innocent things isn't it, came isn't it to my slightly, mind. It's Ulamog the slightly nibbly, right? The slightly, slightly swole. The slightly swole. <laughs> it's Ulamog the waking up at three a.m. for a snack. That one. It's the Ulamog <laughs> it, ten 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 cost to exile two permanents and mill twenty cards on each attack. Yikes. Yeah, they yeah. were like the creators are like we want to create something that is Cthulhu. We need to make it like well, we need to justify our creation if it, we're comparing it to something yeah. as monumentally yeah. humongous yeah. in pop culture, especially yeah. as Cthulhu. Yep, and I mean it was a great pull forward from like the OG Eldrazi's because I love Annihilator. Mm. I it was wish, the most broken mechanic. I wish I cared more about it because that's something I would play. But all the all the all the best annihilator abilities are on nine or eight, you know eight yep. nine ten CMC creatures, and yep. it's just like, whew. how do you I break that? Polymorphing, I think, would be the only way I play Eldrazi, and I never even then. I think Popper. I think there's a, a common yeah, legal. Yeah. You you should look at my Kaikar build then because you would love Aldrazi more if you could just polymorph for free. I have, I have an Atla and I've been trying to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, with uh, Aldrazi polymorph, it's all about the science. So you just got to make sure you can crank it out, add in your white and your green. Uh, oh, that's so more fun. Aldrazi is probably best for. Yeah. So yeah, your, Brandon, your your deck was playing your popper deck that we played 
today, mm-hmm. which in, enjoy our popper content. Our microphones almost died. <laughs> it, it, was, was it was a race. We managed to slug out <laughs> three matches, one between each of us, kind of thing. Um, you were you were ripping eight nine tramples or whatever. Yeah, Eldrazi. Yeah, I yep. think I'm not certain, but I think there's an uh, an Eldrazi at common yeah. that has annihilator too. Uh, there is a possibility of that. I think I have it in mind. I don't know the name. Um, I could be wrong. Don't crucify me. Um, <laughs> if it does exist, which it actually I don't think it does exist, Uncommon is more likely. Maybe. Um, either way, uh, they just get more and more expensive. Like... He's Googling it. We got we got Jamie over here Googling it. <laughs> no, 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 go back. Uh, yeah, oh, Hand Ulamog's, of Emrakul. Oh, Ulamog's Crusher is what? Also, Ulamog's Crusher. I have it. Ulamog's, uh, Ulamog's Crusher is what? Ulamog's Crusher? Well, it's a Eldrassi that crushes. It is a common 8-8 for 8, and it has an Annihilator too. That was... Uh, huh. It attacks each turn of Able. That's huh. the one that I was thinking of, Ulamog's Crusher. Huh. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go pick up a playset and slap that in there. Yeah, that, that's a house in Popper, man. Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty sweet too, actually. This yeah. would be great in Popper. Hand of Emrakul. Yeah. You may sacrifice four Eldrazi's spawn, and if you built that right, that's easy. Um, rather than pay this mana cost, Annihilator 1 and 7 7. Nine uh, I think the other one's better. Cause well, I, I actually, think I agree, but in, yeah. if, it's, if it was a synergized uh, um, uh, deck, uh, either one's great, especially if you're popping off a lot of Scions. I think the Umog's Crusher is probably the better one. Yeah, I mean, you want it to attack every turn of Fable. Yeah. You like want it to. That's why. Jeez. <clears throat> anyway, what's, uh, what do we want to. Jump on to next. Well, we where, were, we were we dis- discussing our favorite highlights of the of of our, our deck. So we were uh, you definitely started off with mana vaults, and you had all that. You had a soul ring or mana crypt. Sorry, you had a mana crypt into a yeah. into a soul ring eventually. Uh, why don't you highlight some of the favorite cards? In your deck? Some of my favorite cards in my Locust God deck. Um, I will start right away with. I think there's three of these in the deck. Um, is it Thassa or no? Yeah, I think it's a Thassa. It's, it's anyway, Coastal Piracy and Reconnaissance, Reconnaissance Mission. What I'm talking about. These cards read: Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to an opponent, you may draw a card. <clears throat> and the synergy this has with locusts is: if I attack someone with ten locusts, they're flying. They almost always get through. They hit with, you know, so ten creatures hit, and then There's I draw no ten cards, creating another ten locusts. Yeah. So it these are these this particular flavor of like card. It. Makes like the deck it. explode. Like no. um, Skull Clamp is everybody's favorite commander card. Uh, uh, it's a staple. It's, it wins games. <laughs> it, this had an interesting debut in the game that we had because yeah. I played it while I had an Anthem effect for my Locusts on board, thinking that this would kill them because it gives them minus one, and when they die, they draw Still two cards. Pact, I think it was. Multicolored creatures get plus one, plus one. Yeah, so yeah. basically, like, f- uh, Skull Clamp normally, if I equip it to a Locust, it dies and draws me two cards, creating two more. Mm-hmm. So I draw, for every mana I spend, I get a locust and two cards, mm-hmm. and it just it goes nuts. So like if I have mana to spend, I'm I'm, and they all have haste, so they just they just go. Yeah, glass of the guild pact. <clears throat> yeah, glass of the guild pact screwed me on that one, and that was a misplay by me. Thankfully, it's either way, it's like when, when you either opt for a card draw, or if you're going to play something like glass of the uh, glass of the guild pact, you are you want to kill and just crush face with your with your locusts. Or yeah. you play Skull Clamp because you only want to draw the cards, or maybe hopefully you can do well, something it, about the glass. Inherently, it is a token deck. It's an mm-hmm. attacking token deck, and it makes it makes one one tokens. That glass and would be your win condition. Like, yeah, okay, glass, I got twenty. Bam. 
as well as on my next card, shared animosity. <laughs> this card is insane in this deck. It's it's an enchantment for a two and a red that says whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus one plus That's zero until condition. end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it. Yeah. So when I attack with t- ten locusts, each of them get plus ten plus zero. So it just becomes like an, an exponential. Like that, those ten locusts now attack for over a hundred. That's in my goblin deck, it's and I love it. Insane. It makes me feel so good when I play in a shared animosity, yeah. and everyone's like, you know, screw him. <laughs> I don't like that. We talked about Sage of the Falls. That was just like, mm-hmm. I've never been able to cast it. I can't wait to do that. Mm-hmm. Wind Reader Sphinx. Oh, I, I personally adore this card. So what Wind is Reader Sphinx. Yeah. yeah, Wind Reader Sphinx. I don't know if I've ever actually. Whenever like, a creature with flying attacks, you draw a card. Yeah, anybody, anybody's creature that has flying, if it attacks, I get to draw a card. So nor, like, Build a right my entire deck is flying creatures. So whenever I attack, I just like double my creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever anybody else's flyers attack, like you copied my Locust God and cre- started creating yeah, Locust. That, I, yeah, that, that was a fun interaction I had. But it is I five blue, blue. It's an expensive. Mask of Riddles, I think, was in my hand. Target yeah. creature gain, uh, connives X, where X is the power it dealt. So I was able to, I, I went from one Locust to six. Yeah. That's pretty good. And then this card here, uh, Teferi, Master of Time, was what winner. really won me the game. Yep. Because it allows me to yeah. draw a card and discard at instant speed every every person's turn. So as the table goes around, I'm drawing cards, filtering heavily, and creating locusts. And also it just cruises up. Like, you, Brandon, you attacked it once, mm-hmm. right? Or did you? No, you attacked Jace once. Attacked Nobody Jace brought once. down Teferi. It's because you already had the blockers there. Yeah, because it, it, it actively creates locusts yeah. to protect itself. Yeah. So it's very hard. Like, once I, I land Teferi, if, if, if nobody can get to it, it eventually gets to the minus 10, which is take two extra turns. And yeah. that was just enough to eviscerate whatever was left of anybody's life totals. So shout out to Teferi, everybody's favorite planeswalker <laughs> he's uh controversial <laughs> he everybody hates how powerful they print to fairies they recently killed jace like magic complete ma- magic he was completed mouse. He, he's basically he was perfect he's perfect now. he's basically the mickey mouse of magic no but i have you read the story i would say elmo have you read the story oh, same thing same analogy elspeth basically walks up and just marks him yeah. just kills jace yeah. like drives the sword into him and kills oh, him. oh the halo blade yep yeah. i'm expecting that to happen and so Elspeth just kills him. If, if Jace was then, kept alive with with a Phyrexian mentality, that would recal. Like I'm yeah. glad, honestly, I, I should. Well, he was half for me, but yeah, no, that's Elspeth killing Jace makes sense. Yeah. He was half completed, and he was like, he was already was he, screwed. Was he up. Like do it. <laughs> no, he wasn't do it. He was in the middle of doing something very important, and Elspeth came out of the side hatch and just took him out. And then Elish Norn at the end is just like, you you guys gonna use that? And yeah. just dragged Jace over and like reanimated him and was like, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> and so Jace is back, but he's a bad guy now. So they killed the favorite Mickey Mouse of magic. And I think, I think I'm pretty sure Teveri is now the most commonly powerful printed planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Jace has yep. been kind of done dirty lately. Even the new Jace, even I mean, the, I'm, com- I'm, the perfect I'm, mind. I'm on the, bo- I'm on the wagon of Jace getting a little butt hurt. Yeah, Jace, Jace can take a backseat for a bit. Yeah, you know, like maybe I had a crush on him in NXT. <laughs> maybe tops. That was when he had no memory. The only thing I liked I'm... him being a bitch. You know, he's crying about everything. Didn't understand. He was falling in love with Raska. Of course, Raska betrayed him. You know, whatever. That's yeah. fine. He I'm, needed to get murked eventually. I'm just so ecstatic that one, they didn't print another Chandra. I don't. Yeah, she was getting you, spotlight Mr. for. You, Mister, you're not allowed to talk about that because you are not a Chandra fan. 
I ha- I at one point I owned every Chandra Planeswalker and I never played any of them exactly. because as long as they sat on my shelf, she got to suffer never being useful because she never was to begin with. There ah. is there are some very very useless Chandra cards, but there's some like very broken. I don't there's like some Chandra. very very broken. I like oh, Chandra. No, I like, she's a good card. I'm not, I'm I'm not going to sit here. And traditional like, mono red player. Her is just a character. Be hers the story. Half the things that they've kind of alluded to, even just like when like why she's getting bisexuality. So many um, well, I mean the bisexuality totally is like super awesome. Almost nonsense, but yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a fan base that's like, no, Chandra and Nisa can't be gay. Rah! And they can be gay. Yeah, Chandra no, they were they were alluding to it. They were alluding to it because they had a mind yeah, meld moment. Did. And they were like, wow, we're totally compatible with each other. But then fans were pretty outraged. They were like, no. And or they should have been just like, yeah, because how often does everyone want two beautiful women to, to make out in front of them? So honestly, it's true about it. But at the end of the day, they didn't fit the demographic of what everyone wanted from them. And that, you know... Being part of the Cure community, it was very important for me to have a little bit more representation, especially from two babes. Yeah. <laughs> so they denied us magic. Why? <laughs> so Brandon, why why is it that you are not a fan of Chandra? I just I just I don't know what it is about Chandra. She's, She's just, not a red she, player. She just irks me. Not a red player. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a I'm not a prolific red player. No. I am starting to grow into it a little bit more, especially just like yeah, Gruel Jund. Yeah, I mean the last five decks that I've built it all have red in them. Um, it's not solo. I'd be surprised. I'd, I'd no, also be not very happy. I'd be like, thank you. No, that's why my idea for a mono red deck is just the lazy appro- the lazy dragons approach, which is I'm just going to play an entire deck of dragons approach yeah. and maybe like two dragons just to have a creature on the field. If every single turn, I'm just going to dragons approach, three damage to each player, three damage to each player, three damage to each player, three yeah, damage to each player. Yeah, classic burn. Yeah, it's, it's, it's classic burn. And then when there's four or more in your graveyard, you exile one of them. And you get a free dragon. All right. <laughs> right? It's broken. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to get into my commander that I chose today for the game. Um, Your favorite cards? Uh, one, of the, one of the absolute, but uh, in showing a spotlight of sexy Runo Stromkirk, the sexy print, Thirst Trap for Life. <laughs> thirst um, Trap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, my God. So sexy. Heck, I'm so ashamed to admit it. So, Runo Stromkirk, flying. Whenever Runo enters the battlefield, put up to one target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. And at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card. If a creature card with mana value of six or greater is re- revealed this way, transform Runo into big boy Krothus, Lord of the Deep. It's got flying. Whenever Krothus, Lord of the Deep, attacks, create a tapped and attacking token. That's a copy of another target attacking creature. Ooh, the wording on that always hurts my head. If that creature is a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent, create two of those tokens instead. And I, I just Ooh. geeked. Especially if you've seen the, the alt art. It's like, why is a sexy boy also turning into a Kraken god? Mm-hmm. So I was just like losing my mind. The first ability, it's all about reanimation. So you can definitely, you know, blink abuse it to basically do whatever you want with top deck manipulation. Um, the uh, Obviously, you want to throw a Sensei's in there and all that kind of stuff. But what actually really prompted me for the deck is when I was going through my, my bulk and uh, from my MH2, I came across this foil of junk wonder. And uh, it's a serpent, costs seven mana, two pips in blue, but affinity for tokens. So it costs one last to cast for each token you control. And then whenever a token enters the battlefield under your control, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. It doesn't untap during its control's next untap step. So A, you are attacking with suddenly three five fives on top of Krothus's, uh Girthy flying three four, and you're also tapping down anything that could possibly be defending if you if you hit that that window. So, love me some drunk winder. Um, I have a jeweled lotus in my deck as well. It's a three cost commander, especially because the CMC is so high <laughs> for a lot of my Brandon's a lot of my sea monsters are humongous in CMC. So I have things like entomb and all, and animate dead to kind of 
Um, or I'll even use uh, like a, I'm going to add a traumatize to my deck just for some brutal dark uh, rise from the dark realms shenanigans. Um, but uh, if I have a jeweled lotus in, the, in my hand, I'll turn one and entomb, and then I'll turn two my my Runo, and I will turn three transform him. And I I love that. I love that ability. Uh, one of my favorite spells as well in the deck is Stubborn Denial. This is, I think, one of the most broken cards ever. It's a one-cost uh, counterspell that's target non-creature spell, unless it's controlled page one. But if you hit the Ferocious count, um, or mark, uh, just counter-target spell. If you control a creature with power four or greater. And on average, I will always likely be able to use this counterspell, which is super fast. That's pretty um, dope. There's actually there's a counterspell in my deck as well, Abjure, that oh, I yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. about. Yeah. It really works well with Locust because it, it's just a one blue yeah. counter target spell sacrifice a blue permanent my locusts are disposable need to get that for Bruna. yeah no <laughs> it's on average it's like a bolt bend is one of my favorite spells in red if you ever have a creature where you know its power is gonna be four and it, maybe it's your commander always have a bolt bend mm-hmm. that costs one and it's a brilliant redirect especially for modern red players animate dead obviously like i just described and then my bay here my s- insert image here sinister starfish <laughs> it's got surveil what a name what a, what a <laughs> name and the image too it's like wow it's got like a weird, gross, slimy face thing going on with a bunch of dead fish chilling. But yeah, it's sur- to fit surveilled one. I just, it's really, really valuable for the deck. And it's an evil starfish. It, it's a, it's to pair with my sigil starfish, which basically does scrying. But, you know, for a deck that has 100, 204 mana curve to it, having any creature that's less than three CMC is very strong. And very, very strong in my deck. So, there's my scourge. And unfortunately, I didn't get the best game of it, um, but Deep Sea Monsters. That was what the med deck was all about. Mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. boys in Demir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should probably shuffle mine back into my deck so I don't go missing. No, no, no. Throw it across the room. <laughs> Just throw them on the ground. Yeah. Maybe Brandon? We'll, maybe we'll find my coin. Oh, we'll yeah. find it. We'll, the we'll, missing coin. The missing coin. The res, the resurrection. It's just, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a nice flippy coin that has a skull on it. We've lost it today somehow in like a four by four room. Yeah, the four by four. <laughs> the one that I was using to flip from my mana crypt triggers, uh, somehow we can't find it. Yeah, it'll turn. Um, oh, well. Well, do you have some cards <clears throat> to talk about from your deck, Brandon? I do. I'm going to start that off with saying commanders today are too powerful. Y'all at Wizards, can you go back a step? Give us the six drop creatures that are just six sixes. Don't do it. Maybe trample. Or um, make make a Yargle card that is yeah. more than just... yeah text <laughs> just calm down <laughs> and my commander and one of my favorite cards ever printed Yardle. after seeing it one i'm a big warhammer kid love warhammer to death i play the tabletop i've got my own tyranid army tyranid specifically just mm, they're like the magnum opus of existential dread like <laughs> eldrazi <laughs> wish they had the kind of just perfection that the tyranids do um, He's a Warhammer is, snob. Um, which is also sullied by this disgusting-ass human Terranid? Magus Lucia Kane, as you'll see. Um, it's too many abilities. Like, don't get me wrong. A four-drop uh, Tamir, so red, blue, green, and then one generic mana. Uh, for a 1-1, one, one, not that great. When that 1-1 one, one is at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. All right any target creature so you can you can be political with that and that's awesome too that's a lot of power for just and then she taps for two colorless mana she's a soul ring that buffs your creatures and if that mana or no sorry as long as she's been tapped the next spell that would be cast that has an x in its cost or or an ability that has x in its cost she doubles it Ooh. so you're getting 
you're, you're literally either doubling creatures or doubling up on spells, doubling up on the value of what you're doing with those spells. You're getting a soul ring on a creature that is also buffing up your other creatures. Like, it's, it's too much. It's a bit of a nice little simile there. I was playing Runo Stormkirk that's all about attacking to create replications, and yours yeah. is just temering. It's just tapping to create. Tearing it. Yeah. Bullshit. Um, but absolutely... <laughs> One of my favorite cards, the reason I run her instead of the Swarm Lord, which is the normal for this, uh, the normal commander for this deck. Well, she's clearly much more beautiful. Um, she's, oh, she's got, I've got some disgusting plans for her in the future. Uh, following her up is probably, uh, I think everybody's new uh, gruel staple that everybody's been sleeping on to my knowledge so far is that Shadow in the Warp. Uh, it's a three drop uh, enchantment. Uh, yeah, red, green, one generic. The first creature spell you cast each turn costs two less to cast. That's great. Oh, that's a, that's that. amazing value. That's, that's what you hurt me yesterday. Yeah. Day. yeah. Um, whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, Shadow on the Warp deals two damage to that player. So if somebody tries to counter your stuff, they're taking two damage on that, and then they go to their next turn. Oh, hey. <laughs> their first non-creature. So they can cast like 30 creatures. That's fine. They're Urlock, the Scorched Earth, would yeah. love that enchantment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love um, that enchantment. And just for the three drop, especially in the way of like green and red have stacksy effects, but green and red have always kind of like been the one that aren't stacksy because they're so aggro. It's yeah. lovely to see something <clears throat> get printed that works on both ends. It's cheapening creatures, which red and green love to be able to toss out their huge creatures, but then also have that little bit of like the propaganda esque sort of things where I like it I'm really all about that double end too yeah like yeah. people are less inclined to play certain cards because ooh I'm getting I'm getting pinged for mana or for damage every turn especially red you've got uh, fiery emancipation triple damage nobody's gonna want to cast that counter spell because like oh no counter spell is dealing six damage to me what woof that, like that's that's a big woof um following that up uh just in the general sense of the flavor of this, the copy on the X spells, as well as just like, is it nonsense? Uh, we have Zoanthrope. Uh, uh, yeah, is it uh, red, blue, and then X? Uh, it has the, the new uh, ability that came out of the Tyranid decks called Ravenous, which if, uh, when it enters the battlefield, if X that was paid for it is five or more, uh, you draw a card, uh, which is always good. Casting a creature, drawing a card. Okay. Uh, so it's like you're, you're benefiting off of spending all of your mana into big things. Again, Magus giving you Sol Ring two, two for and you And you get two of whatever it is, and you yeah. get to draw a card, and there's yeah. always progress, and you're like, Ugh. Yeah. So then, especially, especially for this, especially for her as the commander, it's 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 kind of broken. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's the two. It enters with however many counters you pay to put on it. It's flying. Ward two, which is, again, you guys need to slow down on the abilities you're putting on these creatures. <laughs> too much because we're not Don't done do yet it. there's space left on that card come on let's put some more yeah yeah you want to know what <laughs> yeah that name's way no, too small you want to know what the more is uh when zoanthrope enters the battlefield it deals x damage to any target so it's a burn spell on a creature oh, that man, draws you more. cards has flying has ward two and with her as the commander you're getting two of those triggers man that's like zoanthrope that's like Questing Beast. Like, I challenge anybody to just, like, read Questing Beast from their mind. Yeah. There's too many things. The card does so many things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, peeling off of this and my love of Tyranids, uh, we're going to kind of power through the next two because they're great, but they're not that special. Uh, we have Sporocyst. It's one green pip, double X. So for each one, or for, you have to pay two mana for each one 
Oh, so it's XX? X? It's XX. Yeah. Um, which is slow. Kind of like walking ballista. Yeah, which is slow. But as you'll see out of the game sort of thing, it doesn't take much for when I'm copying it and I'm putting eight mana into that. I'm only getting four lands. Doubled. That was the thing that made the huge Yeah, this difference. showed up in our game. It was in your opening hand, you said? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in my opening hand, and then I just had that lovely mana ramp to get it out. Like, I had got to the, my eight mana that I needed. Thank you, Magus, for having that, being one free off of that. Um, it's a 0-0 zero, zero defender, ravenous as well, so drawing if that five is more. Um, enters the battlefield, search your library for up to X basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tap. Then oh, that's the one that, yeah, yeah, that's the one in the game that yep. you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this twice, and now I have, ho, oh, oh, ho. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. When I return Magus Lucia to your hand, but I, you still got all the land. Yeah. 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 It's your, your land draw itself. Everybody's playing the Kodama's Reach. Everybody's playing the Cultivates. Everybody loves that, like, little bit of mana ramp. Even with it being the XX, which slows a lot of things down, it, it literally doesn't matter. Even without the ability to copy it, just being able to cast this, have a creature, peel the lands out of your Shout deck. Out to Tashiro, um, it's uh, that'd be it's, amazing for Tashiro. Oh yeah, uh, and the great thing about that is, like in the lore of Warhammer specifically, these things are basically just huge tumors that drop down on the sky, are like the size of a small building, and as soon as they hit the ground, they start spitting out these little like Ew. tentacle sack things called sporocysts or no, sorry like uh, a really called, good time called spore mines <laughs> um that literally they Not. just it's like it's like if if imagine you know those little mushrooms that are like those like little like like little black balls that just like they pop up in the spring sort of thing and just imagine if a mushroom grew tentacle legs ran at you and then exploded in your face yeah, yeah, I'm out. Death yeah. Bringers. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm out oh yeah oh yeah nobody wants that um, speaking of the last of us, uh, speaking, speaking of the last of, of us, <laughs> Tyranid crossover. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, next up is the Hierophant Biotitan, and we'll. Uh, I copied that twice the other day. It's yeah. amazing. I had two of them on the battlefield. <laughs> so gross. Um, <laughs> we'll I'd keep this one brief. Uh, you can remove it, it's it's ten mana and then two green, so twelve total. Uh, you may remove counters from other permanents you control. Um, or other creatures you control to lessen how much that costs, and it costs two less for each one counter that you remove. So that's it's also a twelve twelve with vigilance Ooh. reach ward two Ooh. and can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. So realistically, it's I oh yeah, especially like I've got four counters on something. Okay, it's a four drop. It's a four drop twelve twelve with all of that. Again, third Ooh. time I'm saying this. Stop, stop it. Give me Stop the, it. Get me, some help. Give me the 12. <laughs> what he means to say is you did so good representing the Tyranids in this set. You so did. thank you. Oh, no. I'm I'm in love with this deck. I came at this with I, I would I would. I have gripes with the Swarmlord as a commander. Lucia Kane yeah. is insane. Yeah. Even just in general, like, Swarmlord, okay, what can else can you do that with yeah. that as a commander for other decks? Yeah. Whereas Lucia Kane is so versatile, and it's a four-cost Timera commander. Are you kidding me? That's broke. Yeah. Any and Formula deck, X deck yeah. will want her. 100%. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure they put that in there because they knew that the Swarm Lord there was There wasn't enough representation be... for it, honestly. Yeah. I knew Especially after Hanada uh, and stuff. Like, well, it's like I know that the Swarm Lord specifically, like they got to put that in there. It's kind of like one of the big token beasts out of the Warhammer, uh, especially like the Tyranids. Of course it was going to be the Commander. It was either going to be Commander or this last card that I have to say. But Magus was well-crafted to be the, the, the copy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the last and my favorite thing that exists in both Magic and Warhammer itself Ooh, bold. Is, is Old One-Eye. Uh, there's a creature that exists in Warhammer called uh, Carnifexes. He lost it in a club, actually, yeah. back in the <laughs> 80s. Wild time. Oh, yeah. Basically. 
Uh, no, no, literally, basically. Uh, there's creatures called Carnifexes, and Carnifexes are basically just these big, huge, hulking monstrosities of Talon's teeth. And, hulking. Oh, yeah. Literally, like... So much teeth. Just They're meant to be little walking tanks that can just rip everything apart. Now, Old One-Eye in the lore of Warhammer, and why it's my favorite card out of this deck, Horrible. in Magic now, and in Warhammer itself, Old One-Eye is a, more of a myth than a real creature. Because... Long in the in the lore, long ago there was a battle that happened where basically uh, a squadron fought endlessly to try and kill this thing, and they basically didn't win. What they did manage to do is basically blow half of its face off, so it's literally just missing a chunk of its head. But they killed the thing, or so they thought, because then throughout the history of the Warhammer lore, it keeps popping up, other battlefields, other planets, and in the lore that they've written for. Warhammer and Jet. Nobody knows if it's the same thing that just keeps coming back, or if some weird way it just keeps being created. Because that's kind of what the Tyranids do. They have a genetic pool that they pull from. So anything that they've learned, they make themselves better from. Back when the Tyranids only had two eyeballs. Yeah. I'm um, assuming if it's still got the same <laughs> hole in its face, it might be the same one. This is an old bitch. It might be the same one. But that's the thing: is there's so many accounts in the lore of people having murdered it, killed it, it was dead. But it just, I think there's a little offshoot joke in one of the lore books that says nobody knows if it's like just truly immortal or if it's just too stupid to die. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Well, I wonder if it's just like a big, a, like a, um, what is it, like Evangelion or whatever? Even Evangelion? Like it's Evangelion. a big power suit yeah. that Squee the Immortal is piloting. <laughs> I would love that sounds that. like a great time. <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, but yeah, that's, those, those are cards of mine. Um, cool. Right um, do we have anything else we want to talk about? We're we're pushing past an hour and a half at this point. I think that is. I think that's a reason. Yeah, I think amount. it was great. Um, thank you so much for joining us for our first official podcast for the Rose yeah. Passage. It's been a great time being able to kind of rant and talk about ourselves and all that kind of stuff. Um, we look yeah. forward to sharing more with you as we go, and yeah. also affording better games in the future. Where Runo's winning. <laughs> yeah. This is our commitment to get better and better as we go. Um, give us a, a break, I guess. We're we're starting semi grassroots. We're working with like webcams and stuff. We're, 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 we're going to get better. Yeah. Uh, and do remember to like, share, <laughs> comment, smash that like button, subscribe, please, and thank you. Let us know what your favorite parts of. Uh, the podcast is let us know if you have any tips or tricks to just making things a little bit smoother on ourselves we are learning and we're dedicated to getting better and bringing the best content we can to always receptive to feedback so anything's appreciated yeah. thank you so much thank you for watching if you made it this far that is uh it really touches our heart like if you're still here and you're watching this part you a real one you the real you're an one. absolute g thank you so much for watching all the way through uh we will see you guys in all of the rest of the content that we produce and most specifically, episode two of the Rogue's Passage podcast. TBD. TBD. See you guys later. Bye. 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 <laughs>